Welcome to Emergence Radio Talk, where you'll be inspired and motivated by the journeys of movers and shakers from all around the world and those who are occupying and taking dominion. Emergence Radio Talk with Dr. Tavara Johnson. Welcome, everyone, to Emergence Radio Talk with your host, none other than Dr. Tavara Johnson. And you know me, as always, I'm always excited for today's show. Today, I have an awesome woman of God. I'm telling you, she's walking in her God-given purpose, and she is making an impact. She will be sharing some of her journey on how she has emerged from her place of obscurity to dominate the sphere of influences that God would have given to her. And so I want to welcome my sister, Dr. Price, to the show, and indeed, it's a pleasure to have you here with me this evening. Thank you so much, Dr. Tavares. I'm just so happy to be here this evening and just looking forward to some great conversation tonight. Yes, I can't wait. I know you're going to definitely inspire our listening audience and of course thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule um, just to come and empower and inspire our listening audience tonight but before we go ahead and get started I just want you to share with our listening audience a bit of who Dr. Price is all right so um, well first of all my um, my professional on the professional end um, I am a director in early childhood education um, I've been in early childhood for about 14 years, um, and it's just been um, truly a blessing just to learn about children, um, learn about um, just how to help them to grow and to develop. And then on the ministry end, it, it's also very helpful um, in ministering to uh, young people. And so I've been really blessed um, to do that. Um, I have my bachelor's in early childhood. Um, my master's was in teaching, and then my doctorate is in education. Um, on the ministry end, um, I'm a pastor. I'm the assistant pastor at True Divine Kingdom Ministries in Cincinnati, Ohio. Um, I'm also uh, the author of a book called uh, Wise Up Challenge, which I've been so blessed and honored to use um, to help uh, people who transition from drug abuse and homelessness. Um, it's been used uh, as a devotional, which is what it is. It's a devotional um, where I just share um, the wisdom that God has given me through different experiences that I've had in life and how to overcome. Um, um, I am in worship. I'm, a, I'm the worship leader at my church as well, um, play um, prophetic worship, and God has just really used me to travel and to do ministry and to inspire um, women as a women's empowerment influencer as well. So there's so many different pieces to me, but God has just truly used me greatly, and I'm just honored to be a vessel. I know when I see you, you know, sometimes on social media, I'm like, oh, my God, she's just over there killing it, just, you know, empowering <laughs> Yeah, like so many people, you know, you talk about being a preacher and education and, and just so much. Yes. But, you know, I just want to know, how are you able to manage and even balance all of what you have going on? I mean, because to be a preacher, director, like you mentioned, you just, you know, you just completed your doctor's degree. That's, I mean, that in itself is a whole lot of work, so... <laughs> You know, and to still be able to remain grounded in God and still be able to, you know, make time for him as well. Because, you know, sometimes when we get so busy, for, mm-hmm. I know for some strange reason, and I guess we've all been there, whereas sometimes our faith or God could be neglected. And so if you're not intentional um, about spending time with him, sometimes yes. he doesn't get any time. You know, I mean, of course, he's the one that blesses with all of these gifts and these talents and and all of these things, but sometimes we tend to forget him, you know. So how do you manage to just balance and manage all of that and still remain rooted and grounded in God? Well, first of all, it's just like you said, this intentionality. I think that is very important. We have to be intentional in our walk with God, um, with all of the things that are going on in our lives, with our careers. With And I'm also um, a mom. My son is five years old. Um, and so just carrying all of those different things, we have to be intentional in our relationship with God. One of the scriptures that I use as the foundation for my life is 
Matthew 6 and 33, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things shall be added unto you. And so I found that if I put God first in all things, everything else in my life falls into place. It's like we have 24 hours in a, in a day, but if you give God the first fruits of your day, he, he tends to stretch the time so that everything else fits. Um, in the appropriate ways, and we don't get burned out, you don't get too tired. And also with that intentionality, I think, too, it is um, really being intentional and finding out what you're supposed to be doing. I actually preached a word yesterday, and um, and in this message that I preached, I talked about how um, with the valley of the dry bones and how if it's not God breathed, you're not living, you're simply existing. And sometimes we get in places where we want to secure the bag or we get in positions where we want to be booked and busy, but we're finding ourselves chasing after opportunities or doing things that God didn't breathe on, and that's how we get burned out. So being intentional is very important in helping with your balance when you have multiple gifts and are doing multiple things. I think that is really good. Um, I love, of course, the scripture that you use, <laughs> you know, yes. and mention that, you know, once you spend time with God, like you give him that first fruit, that he would really help to stretch the time, like stretch your day, you know, pretty much give you strategies as to how you can actually mm-hmm. uh, manage your entire day, like you said, you know, being or feeling burnt out and not being so tired and still manage to accomplish everything that you had to do on your to-do list, <laughs> you know. Yes, yes. <laughs> so I think that is so great, um, you know, what you shared and just being intentional um, because I know a lot of people, again, there's so much going on. And like you mentioned, everybody want to be booked and busy, you know, but you still have mm-hmm. time, um, you know, with them. But, of course, once you are intentional, I tell people, and I agree with you, I tell people all the time, the same way we go ahead and be, are intentional about scheduling dates um, or scheduling, you know, let's just say even, for example, outings with people to go lunch date, uh-huh. breakfast, brunch date, whatever it may be. You know, you, you do the same thing. You know, you schedule God uh-huh. in your calendar and you say, you know, this is his time. <laughs> you know? Yes, yes. Um, be intentional about that. Definitely have to be intentional about that. Now, for you, you know, you mentioned about, you know, being in education, even your doctor is in education. And so one of the things I want to know for you, um, when did you realize or recognize you had this call or this burden for education? You know, it actually started when I was very young. Um, One thing I tell people is, you will find that your ministry is birthed through your pain. Um, And I've actually recently transitioned into women ministry um, in the past maybe three or four years. But for the majority of my life, my ministry was youth ministry. And I think that it started when I was very young because um, I did not have the best relationship with my parents. Um, I I didn't uh, really start building a relationship with my dad until I was almost an adult, um, which is still kind of distant. And then um, I dealt with some rejection and some abandonment and some different things um, with my mother. And so we haven't always had the best relationship. And so for me, the healing that I needed, the love and the affection and the different things that I needed came from my teachers. And so I loved being in school. I loved being under my teachers. I spent my summers going and helping tutor in summer school and different things like that. And my teachers really um, instilled things in me that made me want to be that person for other children when I grew up. And so that was when I knew, um, and I'm going to say it probably started about fifth or sixth grade, that I either wanted to be or was going to be an educator. And God just took off in my life from there. Wow. You know, that is powerful. Um, you know, in terms of, well, well, of course, everything that you said, but really even like with sometimes like not having the, um, you know, best relationship with your parents. And so sometimes you uh-huh. would find um, yourself helping other um, mentors. But I have a few questions I want to ask you. But the first one I want to ask you 
is to, or more or less, just to speak to that individual who may, you know, be listening now and they may say, hey, I don't have the best relationship with my parents. And they may be struggling with how to navigate that. What advice would you give to them um, as it relates to navigating that relationship? Because, you know, believe it or not, relationships are, are pretty much our currency. You know, we have to. Mm-hmm. We have to be here with people. We have to, you know, we have to live and cohabit with people, you know. So yeah. what advice do you give to someone who may be struggling with that? My first one is to take the risk of finding wholeness. Um, take the risk to finding wholeness. Wholeness doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to end up, and and this is the reality. It doesn't always mean that we're going to end up in the end with the best relationship with those people. You know, because sometimes people find that they, you know, are able to restore relationships and sometimes they're not, you know. And so just coming to terms with that, we have to be able to find our wholeness um, in Christ. We have to be able to go to therapy and to talk about the things that have hurt us, the things that have bothered us. We also, and, and I know a lot of people, they may struggle with this, but we want to follow what the word says. The word tells us to honor our parents, you know. And that was a big struggle for me at first. Not that I disrespected them or anything, but I I didn't want to honor even the little bit because I felt like the major things that they were supposed to do in my life, they didn't do. They weren't there to celebrate graduations and things with me. I would go and I I started preaching when I was 15. So I would go and I would minister and I would be looking out in the pews for my parents and neither one was there. And just all of those different things, not to mention the hurtful, harmful, emotional Um, and verbal things that I got from my mother. And so it took me a long time before I was able to acknowledge the pain and to take on a journey to wholeness. We have to be intentional. Sometimes we, it's not necessarily that we like that space of being hurt, but it's all we know. And to, to experience something different can be scary, you know, but there is nothing like finding wholeness. There's nothing like uh, releasing the bitterness and the anger that we may have and um, the rejection that we may have towards them. You know, there's nothing like being able to release that stuff because it then puts us in a position where we're not only free, but when we're whole, then we're able to assess relationships that we have with other people because that trauma from the hurt and pain that we experience with our parents can sometimes bleed into relationships we have with other people. And then we find ourselves in toxic relationships with friends, um, um, lo- uh, romantic relationships. We find ourselves taking on generational curses where we're then doing the same things with, to our children without realizing it. So take the risk to finding wholeness in your life. Mm. I think that's good, um, especially when you talk about therapy. Um, I uh-huh. tell people all the time, Jesus and <laughs> therapy. Yep, Jesus and therapy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Jesus and coaching or Jesus and mentoring, then there's nothing wrong with it. Um, Not you know, at all. Some people think, you know, if, oh, if I go to therapy, that means that I'm crazy or no. It just means mm-hmm. that you have someone that can help you to unpack all of the things that you have going on that you've been carrying for a very long time that has been hindering or stagnating you from moving forward in so many different things um, or so many aspects of life. I think we don't people don't understand that, you know, sometimes the things that we go through, it could really, you know, change the trajectory of our lives. I mean, you know, it really Absolutely. does, you know, some way or the other it does. You know, but you learn how to get back on track, and, and, you know, you, again, you mentioned about, you know, your purpose, sometimes being birth through your pain. And so for some people mm-hmm. who get it, that's what happens, you know what I mean, and they who, who find their footing again, it's like, okay, well, I, now I discover my purpose. And then for those who don't, you know, it tends to be a struggle. Yeah. I said, there's really nothing wrong with Jesus and therapy um, yes. at all, <laughs> you know. It's really nothing wrong with it, but... As I, you know, because you mentioned earlier about being a mother, and so when I look at you with your son, you know, um, (laughs) on social media, now I understand why, you know, I have a better understanding of why, you know, you are the way that you are with him. Um, Yes. You're just so so grateful for that and grateful to um, to your teachers. And then what about persons who may sometimes, because, you know, sometimes if you don't find that, um, that safe place or that safety 
um, safety spot, so to speak, um, in your family, right? I know I've, mm-hmm. I know for me I would have experienced this um, uh, before where a person felt some type of way because I'm like, you know, like for me, I, I have what I call an American mom, right? Her, mm-hmm. my, my biological mom, they get well. They get, I mean, they, they get together so well. I mean, they get on so good, you know, you know and just different things. That, um, But I actually, like, some people gave me some little flack because, like, oh, my God, well, you're supposed to have your own biological parent. I'm like, but we, we have a good relationship. Like, what's the problem, <laughs> you know? So mm-hmm. what do you say to persons who may be in a situation where people may be looking at them or saying, well, how come... You know, why is it that you seem to be finding more comfort, so to speak, or more of a safe space um, in people who may not necessarily be a family? You know, what do you say to them or what advice that do you give them as it relates to encouragement so they don't feel um, bad or feel guilty for that happening? And, you know, it's so interesting that you bring this up because I've encountered this before, you know, because I do have a spiritual mother, and she has been um, a very safe place for me when I'm going through um, issues. I can call her and I can talk to her. She's going to labor on my behalf. She's going to give me the practical answer as well. And then we're going to figure it out, you know, and I have caught some slack uh, over the years for that because people do look and they're like, you know, how is it that you have this relationship with your spiritual mother, but you don't have that, that same level um, of relationship with your natural mother. And, you know, I just believe that God sends people into your life um, to assist with your healing process. He sends people into your life to provide what you need. And, you know, while I think it's normal or natural to think that from, you know, your natural parents and from, you know, those people who are supposed to, you know, be your natural family, the expectation is that it comes from them. But the reality is that it doesn't always come from them because there are some things that they have to be free from. There are some things that they're not willing to do. There's some things they're not always willing to receive. And I mean, so many different things. The situation is different for different people. And so I believe that God sends people into um, our lives to deposit what needs to be deposited to push us to our purpose. It can't always, I mean, even in the Bible, we see um, different situations where, you know, where people had to come in and they had to serve as that surrogate parent or that surrogate mother um, to deposit into people's lives to help push them to their purpose. And so don't feel guilty because God has sent people into your life to help push you into your purpose and feel voids that uh, may need to be filled in order for you to become who God called you to be. And I think that's good. Um, you know, I'm glad that you shared that because I don't want those who, you know, maybe listen and they feel some type of way or they feel guilty um, because, uh-huh. again, like you say, who, whomever, and, and this is how God really works, whomever makes themselves available to be used, uh-huh. <laughs> that is who yes. you're going to use. And so even if it comes yes. to someone else who may not necessarily be your um may not may not necessarily be your blood or your family, there's nothing wrong with it. You know, we all look to Right, and it's like mm-hmm. all you can Go do ahead. is labor on their behalf. All you can do is pray for them. You can pray, you can labor on their behalf, you know, and at the end of the day they have to make the conscious decision to allow God to move in them and on them so that they can become who they need to be to you. And some people end up doing it and some people they just don't, you know, and, and, and that's not um, a blanket of guilt, you know, for you to wear. You know, it, it, there's nothing you can do about that but receive what God has provided to you in its place to get you where he needs you to be. Yes, yes. That is so good. That is so good. So I can really see how, you know, for you with education is really just come full circle, Um yeah. Based on what you you know, what you have went through and just how you how you allow God to help you to navigate through that that season. You know, it's 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 a beautiful thing. And so that and so another thing I wanna know from you, like I know in your bio you mentioned that you have the <laughs> the Limb Bright Scholarship Foundation. I want you to share yeah. the inspiration behind that, how it came about. Just I just want you to talk a bit um about that scholarship foundation for us. You know, it was so interesting how it came about. Um, I always share with people, um, I mean, God, he's just so amazing. And 
One thing that I have learned is that when we sow seeds of sacrifice, God will multiply them. Um, the Lindbergh Scholarship Foundation actually started out um, right in the middle of the pandemic, um, just as me adopting from high school graduates from my uh, former high school, from my alma mater. Um, I was actually in a huge life transition at the time. I was uh, going through a divorce. I was actually homeless. I, I was sleeping on my sister's couch, you know, at the time. And God put it on my heart because of the pandemic um, to be a blessing to three high school graduates um, just because during the pandemic, parents weren't working. Um, these children really wanted to go to college and may not have had all the resources they needed. So God took, he had me to take my last $200. I took my last $200 and I got a friend to donate some baskets to me with some college supplies. And I took the $200. I gave them a copy of my book and I was a blessing to two high school graduates. And I pray um, at that time because just to see how their hearts were warmed and their families, um, I prayed and I asked God, I said, God, I said, by the time I finish this doctorate, I said, I want to be in a position to start a scholarship foundation. Didn't know anything about it. Didn't really know how to get a 501c3 or anything like that. But as it got closer, he just put on my heart to start doing the research. And I was able um, to get the 501c3. And God blessed me to where that $200 that I sold in 2020 became $2,000 in 2022. And so I was just so excited to be able to sow seed into two more um, high school graduates this year and help them to get some supplies that they needed to go off to college. And we're just really looking forward to um, what God is going to do in the next year to expand the vision. Wow. That is amazing, but in that note, I want you to, you know, just provide some advice for someone who may say, you know what, um, I believe God is telling me to do whatever it is, you know, to give back, but they feel like whatever they have is just too small. You know, yeah. like you said, you had $200 and it multiplied to $2,000. I just want you to speak to that individual who may be listening and they're struggling and they're like, wow, you know, like I, I don't have the money or I believe this is what God has saved me to do to give back, but I just feel like what I have is just too small. What encouragement would you give to them to still go ahead and just, you know, pursue what God is telling them to do in spite of what they can naturally see their circumstances being or, or more or less having that limited vision or sight of what mm -hmm. God is really saying to them? You know, no amount is too small. I, I I think of the woman with the two mites, you know, and that was all she had. That was literally all she had, but her heart of sacrifice allowed for her to receive a blessing. And I just believe that, you know, just the heart, I believe just having the heart and the willingness to be a blessing to someone else in some form or way, God will provide the opportunity for someone to sow into you to make that vision come to pass, or he'll be a blessing to you to expand. One thing that I have always um, done, and I've noticed that God has always kept me, is I'll use my very little or my very last, because, I mean, there were times before that where all I had was a dollar to put in the offering, and I would be so embarrassed of my dollar, and I would try to fold it up so nobody could really see. But when I would sow that small seed, I said, God, you know, allow, bless me to be a blessing, not bless me, but bless me to be a blessing. And every single time that I've prayed that prayer, even with the smallest gift or the smallest seed that I had, God would then in return enlarge my territory and expand everything that um, he gave me. And so I think that that is key is don't be ashamed because God honors our heart. He honors our desire. You know, and I think that he really, I, just, I don't know, I just feel like God, he just really wraps his arms around people who may not have a lot but have, have the desire to give. Mm -hmm. And and through that, I believe that he just touches and he expands. And it may not be right away, you know, because as, as you can see, for me, it took two years. It took two years mm -hmm. for me to get in a position where I was able to do that. But just don't give up, you know, don't, you know, keep the faith. When you do pray that prayer, when you do sow that seed, trusting and believing that somewhere in your timeline, God is going to open the door. I think that's good that he wraps his arms around those 
<laughs> you know. Yes. Heart because you know one of the things God is always looking for is the heart. Um, you know, uh-huh. sometimes we think it's a form of godliness or you know being so holy uh-huh. or whatever, whatever you may think it may be, or following His statutes to the T and His commandments. Yeah. But what is your heart posture even in doing? Yes. That? Oh, and and I think that is so key that you um, what you shared on because like you mentioned, and God is always concerned about man, and He says that you know where He says that man look at the outer appearance, but He looks at the heart. <laughs> you know, uh-huh. and so I think uh-huh. I think it's important that we remember that no matter whatever it is that we decide to do, or you know, or or, or God is asking us to do, what is your heart posture? Um, towards why you are doing it. Are you doing it for his hand, or are you doing it because you love him? And so yes, and well, that's key. Right. Oh, yeah. that's key. <laughs> <laughs> I think those are some of the questions that we have to ask ourselves. Um, and I think everyone, you know, when we talk about doing something that God is asking us to do. Why are we doing it? I know from I know me from a personal standpoint, I always check myself whenever, you know, if God is saying something or if I believe or since he's saying something, I go back and I say, Well Tavara, mm-hmm. why do you want to do this? Why do you want to do it? Like what is your why? <laughs> you know, and the question yeah. you ask is is it because you see other people doing it? Is it because you feel it's just gonna give you money? Is it be like why? What is your why? Because if the mm-hmm. heart isn't right, then God isn't, and he is not going to multiply it. Exactly. He's not going to multiply it. But, man, listen, this is some awesome conversations. I hope everyone, if you're listening in, I hope you have your notes and you're finding ways to, um, or at least you can see ways in which to apply all of what Dr. Price has been saying thus far to your um, life to go ahead and, you know, make it a bit more fruitful, more productive, and definitely um, providing more inspiration and motivation to you. Now, I know for you, you mentioned, Dr. Price, about um, shifting. You know, yes, you're in education, but, you know, the shifting to the um, dealing a lot with the women and the women's empowerment. Um, how did you... I would say come out of your comfort zone because, you know, any time that God is asking us or calling us to a new area, a new level, we sometimes resistance is there because of our comfort mm-hmm. level. You know, we, we've been accustomed to operating on a level or in a capacity, um, you know, for so long that it's like, oh, you know, I can do it with my eyes closed. But then he, but then when he begins to call you into different territories, um, you know, sometimes the fair, you know, false evidence appearing real, as they say it, um, begins to, you know, it, it could creep up. And so how did you make that shift? You know, and I'm asking because I believe even now we're in a time and a season where a lot of people are in transition, a lot of people mm-hmm. are in transition. And some people, they are comfortable where they're at. Um, where they are at may have dried up so to speak, or then, or, or it's not as fruitful. You know, they refuse to move, <laughs> even though they feel like God is touching yes. them somewhere else. <laughs> so, you know, how did you muster up the uh, the courage and the wherewithal to say, you know what, let me, you know, um, position myself differently? Not saying, because, again, sometimes God may shift you a bit, or, she, you know, sometimes he shifts mm-hmm. you completely where you're no longer dealing with that area anymore. Or he shifts you in the sense that, you know, you you know, you know, kind of hold it, you know, put it aside for a little while, then you, you know, you, you move into the new area, or you're able to still manage all of them. And so, you know, how would you, or at least how did you muster up the courage to say, you know what, let me, let me just do what God is saying to do, that it's okay. There's <laughs> no need to fear. <laughs> You know, it was just another pain into purpose moment um, because I, I mean, I've been in ministry for a long time. Um, I had the des- like people used to prophesy when I was younger and tell me like God has given you a gift to um, to influence and empower women, and God's going to transition you into women's ministry. And in my mind, I'm like, no, I'm 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 youth ministry forever. Like this is my, com-. but it was my comfort zone. And so I had to go through some things. I went through some very painful experiences. Um, Just like I mentioned before, like I went through a divorce um, and, you know, just kind of leading up to that, I I had a miscarriage. I, you know, struggled with low self-esteem. I went from being confident to having low self-esteem. 
and just because of some different experiences I had. And then as I began to transition out of my painful place, I started to look back and I'm like, wow, like I really overcame this in moments and in times where I thought I was going to die in it emotionally and spiritually. You know, I, 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 I survived and I was like, I just began to think about and encounter just when I was doing regular ministry, I would encounter other women who I could connect with and I could kind of tell were going through some very similar things or going through worse things than God. You know, I was like, God, you, you equipped me you know, to do this. It was necessary for me to go through this, you know, because I survived things that some women may not. And I thought about the desperation out in the world, you know, where my gift was so necessary to help some women survive in situations that they may die in spiritually, emotionally, and sometimes even physically. And so it helped me to muster up the faith by saying God is using me as a weapon of warfare, you know, and, and, and while it was still kind of scary at the same time, it really empowered me to use every tool that I had to help my sisters out here in the world to find uh, healing, to find restoration, to find wholeness. And so to encourage someone who, who may be afraid, you know, of what God is calling you to do, just think about how many people there are out in the world that God has assigned you to who are waiting how many people are out in the world who are suffering, who needs to hear your testimony, who needs to hear the word that God has put in you, who needs to see the smile on your face. And when you begin to think about how greatly those things that God has placed in you will impact someone else and may help them survive their storm, it strengthens you. And, and, and you get that mindset, like, let's do this. I got this. Let's go. So, <laughs> yes. Wow. That is amazing, you know, um, and I think that people, you know, should realize that whenever I don't do what God is calling me to do, I'm I'm essentially leaving other people out. Like, I'm essentially not impacting those who, you know, he's called me to impact, even though I do believe whether we... Um, whether we choose to cooperate with God or not, I do believe his will is still going to be done um, because I, I I don't ever believe that he holds up, you know, people's blessings because other people aren't ready. I think either way he's going right. to, you know, have it to come to pass. But, you know, to be able to uh, know that whenever you don't do that or you don't do what he's saying for you to do, you know, it, it puts you in a place really of stagnation because if he right. knows that there's a particular road that you have to take, I don't see him changing up the road because you choose not to comply. <laughs> you right, know? right. <laughs> and if I can add this part too, yes. you know, like some people, they it's like they fear because of the image that has been created ahead of them. Sometimes that causes fear. And so sometimes we want to run away from the path because we see some other people on a similar path and we don't look like them. We don't speak like them. We don't, because that, that was a fear of mine for, for a long time as well. I'm like, God, I don't dress like them. I don't carry myself that way. I just, I'm just little me and I don't, you know, I don't speak that way. I don't use certain words and sometimes it will deter us and, and we will become fearful. But I told, um, I was just talking to a friend of mine, and, and I said, listen, I said, there are 7.9 billion people in the world. Everybody is not going to receive the message the same way. God made you the way that he made you. The word says we are fearfully and wonderfully made. And there's actually a chapter in my book called Wonderful, Incredible You, and I deal with that and, and how God has uniquely made each of us, and I'm sure in every unique way that he has made us individually, there is somebody assigned to us that is ready to receive our testimony, receive a message from the Lord in the way that we have given it or we have it to deliver. So it's like, don't let that stop you or make you afraid either. You know, and that's good. I, you know, I like that you shared about sometimes not speaking um, the way how, prob how probably someone else may or use the words or, you know, minister the way how they do mm -hmm. or whatever. Um, because, again, you know, think about it this way. This is how I look at it. If everyone is speaking eloquently, right, <laughs> everyone right. is speaking big words, well, 
how are you going to reach the individuals who may not utilize the big words, you know, who may not, you know, utilize the fancy speeches or, you know, so proper with everything that they do, they won't be Uh able to reach other, other people. And so I think we have to get to a space where we're really confident in who and how God has made us, you know, flaws and all. Yes. Um, to know that people will accept us, you know, the people who he has assigned to us, they will receive us, mm-hmm. you know, and I think I think that's something for us to, to, to understand because, like you mentioned when you shared that, you know, you realize that even whatever you might have been going through, that there are some other women who probably are essentially dealing with the same thing. I know you mentioned a bit about the miscarriage. I've been seeing so many people have that, and I didn't realize how how frequently it's been happening to so many people. And so here it mm-hmm. is now. This is something you know now that God is He's allowing you to do. All you know, also with women, this is an area now that you can that you're able to minister to other women. You yes. know, and so yes. all of this is is purpose. I I see it all as God strengthening our testimony. We can't tell Him mm-hmm. how to. Granting our testimony is going to come with all type of situations you're going to have to deal with and navigate through. But this is the way that uh-huh. he strengthens our testimony. We don't have a choice as to what we go through. <laughs> right, right. You know, we wish we did, but. <laughs> we know, you know. You know, exactly and that's natural, too. <laughs> yes, go ahead. You know, even if we, when we look at the word, if we look at Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane, you know, and he he asked where he said, you know, if it's your will, pass this cup for me. He, he couldn't even choose. He just said, if it's your will, you know, God, I, don't, I really don't want to go through this. But he understood that it was a part of his assignment. And so if the Lord our God, you know, he couldn't choose, you know, who are we? And so. While we wish we could, sometimes we just have we have to go through, and it just strengthens our our, our testimony. Yes, and you know, I sometimes I look at at God and or Jesus and some of the things that He went through, and I'm like, well, you know, and the Bible says that no servant is greater than his master, and so Jesus mm-hmm. went through these things, like you mentioned. Of course, we're gonna have to go through. We cannot choose. We would love to be able to choose. Yes, but we. <laughs> You know, especially when he knows what he's called us to be, and especially when you decide to give God a real yes. Like, you cannot say say exactly what that will take place, at least what will take place or what that would look like, Um, you know, Mm -hmm. I should say. Man, listen, this is so good. But I want to know, okay, so you. Yes, you're also a minister, and you mentioned you've been, you know, ministering from the age of 15. What advice Mm -hmm. would you give to a young leader, a young minister? Because I'm sure even as a minister, so for you, you know, you're young in age, but not necessarily young in ministry. But as a young leader, what advice would you give to someone else who is, you know, an emerging leader who's out there pursuing their leadership journey, pursuing their call, what advice would you give to them as it relates to their journey? Um, Because, again, like I said, I'm sure you would have experienced some things even as a young leader. Um, You know, sometimes that intimidation could be real, you know, whether it's on your part. Or whether it's on the part of other individuals who see what you carry, and so what advice would you give to an emerging leader who is on that journey and just, you know, experiencing so many different things, and they may even want to drop the call because of it, you know, because it's so hard, because it's so tough, or I didn't thought that I would have had to deal with some of these things, you know, I was especially if it's ministry, you know, I didn't think that the church people would handle me this way or whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. Uh, what advice? What advice would you give to them? You know, as I've experienced, and this is my 20th year of ministry, um, I've experienced a lot over the years. Um, I've experienced people um, who didn't believe, you know, that I was truly called. Um, I've experienced people who was down on me because I was young. It's like, you know, people, they look at at young people and they feel like they don't really have um, a whole lot to say. Um, I've had people doubt 
Um, I've had people kind of, in some aspects, even push me out of the way. Like I was supposed to, I remember being young and I was supposed to preach. Um, it was at, a, at my former church. I was supposed to preach uh, at, uh, at a service. And I guess there were more guests that showed up than um, they were expecting that day. And so the leader at the time, now I was very proud. I was excited. I had written out all my notes. I was prepared. The leader at the time actually went up and started preaching. And I was sitting and I'm looking like, what's going on here? And so, you you know, sometimes you will have people who pass you up. You'll have people who look at you and feel like you don't have anything to say or can't do anything. But one thing that um, really encouraged me was 1 Timothy 4 and 12, and it says, let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers in word and conversation and charity and spirit and faith and in purity. And so don't let anyone despise the gift that God has placed in you. The word says, before I formed you in your mother's womb, I knew you. God placed that gift in you before you were even birthed into the earth. So don't be discouraged. It says, what does it say? Um, um, don't don't be afraid of men in their faces. Don't allow people to make you feel like you don't amount to anything. There were so many kings in the word of God who were young and were leading nations, you know. And so yes. what can what what more can God do through you? You know, and, and the the second part of that is very key also, being an example of the believers. Because sometimes, you know, the, the elders will make you want to blow your top. You know, they're supposed to be there to help and encourage and to deposit some things in you. But sometimes they'll make you so mad, you know, and don't don't let that get to you. You know, and that's why I say in word and in conversation, be mindful of what you say. Be respectful. You can you can also you can offer your opinion in a respectful way. There have been times where I've had elders try to challenge me, you know, and, and they were even, you know, disrespectful to me. And I had to respectfully speak up for myself and to speak up for the call that God has put on me, you know, operating in love, operating in the spirit of God, being being faithful, you know, because sometimes, you know, us as young people, you know, we, we, you know, you know, I don't know if you saw this, but there is this TikTok challenge going around. And it's uh, the No Gray Challenge. And I love, I actually love this song um, by Jonathan McReynolds. But there are young people in ministry, and they're using this TikTok, and they only use one piece of the song where it says, I'm split in two, part of me loves the world, but the other loves you. And they show clips of them dancing in the club and drinking and things like that, and then preaching in the pulpit the next day. And it's, it, it really made my heart heavy um, because it's like they lack the understanding that they have to, as young people, be an example. And this is why sometimes the elders don't respect us. You know, we have to live it out even when it's hard. When peer pressure comes, we still have to live it out. I remember being called lame by some of my friends in high school because I wouldn't sneak out the house. I wouldn't go to parties and, you know, uh, uh, little house parties where they were drinking and doing things like that. But guess what? Here I am now at 35 years old, and some of those people now belong to my church. Wow. You know, and so it's like you got to stay the course. Stay the course. That's my, my word of encouragement. Wow. That, listen, that's amazing, you know, um, stay the course. And, of course, like you mentioned, just be respectful because sometimes, I'm going to tell you, listen. You know, <laughs> these elders, you know, or I call them the senior, senior leaders, sometimes they would – you know, try to make you feel like you don't have it. You know, like you don't have it. Mm-hmm. God didn't call you. Um, if you know, and if you don't know who you are, this is why I always tell people all the time: you have to know who you are. Um, you have to know what God is saying about you because if you don't know, other people will try to tell you um, who you oh, are, yes, who will. you should be, or, or what what area you should be in. Um, but you know, of course, <laughs> like you say, you know, you stand up for yourself respectfully. You know, you don't be disrespectful. And, again, and, and understand that, you know, it's it's something that you, unfortunately, you know, you have to go through. Um, but at the same time, look at it as they're dealing with something. One of the things I try to do now, I realize now, too, a lot of times with some people, I should say, whenever they act out a particular way, it's not really me. It's, you know, it's something that they have going on. Sometimes it could be an internal issue that they have going on um, because there's mm-hmm. no reason why 
uh, senior leader on elder should be intimidated by, <laughs> by a young And I was leader. just about to say some. I was about to say sometimes it's intimidation because you know what I found to be very interesting is that some of the people who tried to put me down when I was very young, I now sit at the same tables with them and have some. And in some of them, I've even surpassed. You know, and so sometimes mm-hmm. that it's really just them being intimidated. Yeah, yeah. You know, and you know, and I want to say this to anyone who is. Um, Listening, and even if you're a senior leader, or even if you're a leader and you, and you want to talk about, you know, leading people, or you lead people, this is why you have to always continuously elevate yourself. Um, yes. I would say elevate yourself, but uh, but more or less personal growth, personal development, and personal mm-hmm. growth is, is is extremely important. And so I find that only people who don't work on themselves, or who don't work on, you know, growing and developing personally, these are the ones who tend to be more intimidated of people because if you're so busy working on yourself and where you have to go and how you could pour into um, other people, your your mindset changes and shifts, and you're no longer have to be intimidated or feel intimidated. I should say by anyone because you're you're just too busy uh, working on yourself and you understand that there is a need for everyone. You know, there is a need Mm -hmm. for every every gift. Mm-hmm. And the other thing is, too, like I encourage, you know, all of the senior leaders, all of our elders, you know, to I feel like cultivating young people in ministry is having a true understanding of advancing the kingdom. Because one mm-hmm. day, you know, it's like while you are actively in ministry, one day you're going to have to go on with the Lord. And then who 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 takes it on then? Who do you pass the baton to? You know, who takes yeah. on? And I just believe that everyone – Every leader, every person who is working in the body of Christ should find a successor. You don't have to be a pastor. You know, anybody in ministry, find someone who can do what you're doing when it's your time to move on either to another assignment or to go on with the Lord so that we know that the kingdom will continue to advance. You know, even now in my age, I have about uh, two or three uh, young ladies, and I'm looking for some, some young men as well who I kind of have taken under my wing, and I watch them until they're ready you know, that I've been sowing seeds into because I know that one day God is either going to shift me in another direction or one day I'm, I'm I'm going up with him, you know, and I want the ministry to continue, you know, even after I'm gone because, you know, my, my pastor, she always says a church without youth is a dying church. Yes, it is. And it, it's so true, you know, because it's like who takes it on after we're gone? Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think, too, with singing, you have to be careful that, you know, um, you don't more or less try to suppress the youth because what happens is that mm-hmm. when you suppress them, <laughs> they're not going to be uh-huh. interested. They're not going to be interested in being there, and, and you know, um, at all. And so here it is, you know, sometimes people are fighting for these positions, and I'm like, hello, like <laughs> there's so much more uh-huh. work. Um, there's, there's, there's so much more work to do, but I always encourage people now, especially whether you're a senior leader or emerging leader, think about what you, what you want your legacy to look like. Um, what, what yes. you know, what, what what do you want that to look like? If you die today or tomorrow, what will people say about you? Will they say that you know what you were mm-hmm. someone, or this was someone who you know helped to push me, you know, into into who into who God was calling me to be, or will they have to, you know, be dishonest? at your funeral, you know, because <laughs> they don't know what to say. Like, you can always tell right. you know, people who were, were great uh, individuals because people, I mean, the funeral can end simply because everyone wants to talk versus, you know, persons who weren't so nice to people, their funerals may be short. You know, you, you can't get anyone to speak because no one wants to feel like they're lying or <laughs> being dishonest uh-huh. in their speech. You know, and so these are the things that you have to to think about. But my prayer is that there will definitely be a, a bridging of the gap between the senior leaders, um, you know, and the yes. emerging leaders or the young leaders, because again, everything has to continue on. You know, everything needs yes. to continue on. And as a leader, if you look for other people to uh, pour into, it allows you to grow to other levels. Because now you you know God allows. He say, you know, I could trust you to take on other assignments. Mm-hmm. You know, so I think sometimes people have to look at it, um, you know, that way as well. It's not being so selfish, you know. Right. They have to hold on to these positions or they're going to be here for forever. 
You know, oh, man, listen, this was such a great uh, conversation today. I am just, I'm just excited. excited. (laughs) It was really great. And I know that those who are listening in there are definitely blessed uh, for sure. But, you know, um, before we go, I just want you to let our listening audience know how they can get in contact with you, how they can stay in contact with you, or just any upcoming events that you have or, you know, where you may be preaching or speaking. And they could just come to hear you and then just meet you and say, hey, I heard you on Emerging Radio <laughs> Talk, you know. <laughs> so go ahead. Yes. So um, I'm on all social media platforms. If you look me up under Chanel B. Price, um, I have a Facebook page. I have an Instagram page. Also, um, my ministry is called Let Every Voice Empower. Um, so you can um, go on Facebook or Instagram uh, to find us there, or you can go to levemovement.com where you'll also find my book, Wise Up Challenge. Um, you'll find my brand, Preach Her. So we have T-shirts, we have masks, we have journals. Um, and uh, we also have a brand called Queen Panure for women entrepreneurs, and you'll find that there. Um, as far as events, so on um, July 24th, I will be ministering at Higher Faith Ministries in Cincinnati, Ohio. We also have two women's conferences, um, September the 17th. Uh, one is at 10 a.m. called the Break Forth and Be Released Conference. I'm so looking forward to this um, and the move of God there. And the I Love Me Conference. Uh, conference at 3 p.m. on the same day. All of this information will be on all of these pages and on our website. And then if you're going to be near Hartford, Connecticut, on October the 7th, there is a prophetic conference, and it is going to be amazing. We're going to be laboring in prayer. Of course, we're going to be, you know, releasing the word of the Lord. Um, We're going to be releasing an encouraging word. And I just want to encourage all of my sisters who are going to be in the area. Look, and even if you're not in the area and you can make your way there, um, please make your way there. You don't want to miss it. But all of this information um, will be on my pages. And Chanel B. Price will be on the Let Every Voice Empower uh, Facebook and Instagram page. And they'll be on the website at levemovement.com. Awesome. Listen, everyone, if you're tuning in, be sure to mark those dates on your calendar and go ahead. You know, this is just an appetizer. So if you go and you hear her ministering, you know, you will get a full course meal. And so, you know, Dr. Price, thank you so much for joining me tonight. I mean, this was an awesome interview. I thoroughly enjoyed it. We definitely have to bring you back on the show um, for sure. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Anytime, anytime. This is so amazing. And, of course, to my faithful listening audience, you know, I appreciate you being here um, every Tuesday, you guys. are so amazing. And if this is your first time listening in, I pray that it's not your last. Um, that you will join me every Tuesday. And go ahead and spread the word and let someone know uh, when Emergence Radio Talk is coming on. And so for those who would like to connect with me, you can connect with me on all of, on all of my social media platforms, Tavira Johnson, or you can send me an email at info at com. And if you want to see all of what I have going on as well, you can also go to my website at www.tavirajohnson.com. And so blessings, everyone. I look forward to seeing you next week, and have a wonderful evening. Thank you for tuning in to Emergence Radio Talk. For more information on Emergence Radio Talk, Emergence Mentorship Program, or Women to Women Mentoring Program, be sure to visit www.tavarajohnson.com. If you would like to be a guest on our show, email us at info at or follow us on all of our social media platforms, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and Periscope. That's Tavara Johnson. Stay connected and updated on all upcoming events. Until next time, thank you for joining us.